Good morning. Um, hey, a couple quick notes before we get started today. Um, today's the first month, first week of February on a Sunday, February 4th. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to mark your calendars. You can even do it on your, your, your phone. You can pull it out right now, and then you can check whatever you wanted to check on your phone at the beginning of the message anyways, because it's already out. And so I want you to mark February 25th. It's the last Sunday of the month. And just mark that down as one of the days you're going to be at church on Sunday, okay? Because it's going to be a really incredible day. Not only are we kicking off a new series that we're going to be doing, we're also got some really fun things happening at church. We've got baby dedication happening that day, which is like all of our favorite Sunday of the year. Whenever we do it, we just get to rally around people who say, I want to raise my kids in the way of Jesus. And so I want you to be here for that so that we can rally around each other and do this together. And then after church, you can stick around and get free lunch because we've got our, one of our nation's lunches coming up on that Sunday. So look, we've got your day taken care of for you. If you're in the foundations class, that's the night we'll be gathering together again. And I think there's dinner provided at that too. You don't even have to think about eating. You just get it taken care of for you. It's going to be amazing. All right. So February 25th, you've got plans. It's going to be an incredible day. Now, let me introduce myself because some of you I don't know. And some of you have started coming recently and I've been gone. My name's Chris. I'm one of our pastors on staff. I'm our executive pastor. I've been here for the last six or so years. I've been a part of the Antioch movement for over 20 um, in different locations, whether it's Waco or Chicago or now here. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of this family. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for my family. There's only two of them in here right now, but you know they're, they're all here somewhere. You know, I'm married. I've got four kids. We've been coming up on 20 years of marriage in August. Pretty amazing. I've got, man, my kids are like grown up. You know, they're, I got two that are going to be done with high school this year. One's already done. And I've got another one in a couple months. I'm like, it is weird. I'm getting old. And, you know, that's fine. Fine by me. Um, so I said I've been gone, and I'm, I promise I'm going to preach, and this is not like a slideshow of what I've been doing, but I just, I have to talk about it. Um, so I was gone for like the whole month of January, and our team and my family said, yes, you can go and do this like epic once-in-a-lifetime thing where I got to go to Africa for almost a month, and I got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and then go on safari. So I figured I'd show you some pictures so you could see what it was like for me. There, there's myself, obviously, my dad and my brother and my brother-in-law. We all went together. It was like dad bucket list trip. Keep scrolling them through. Just show them what we saw. That's real. I saw that. It was terrifying. Those are real too. Believe it or not, after a while, I was like, wow, you know, I've seen a lot of elephants, you know? Unless I get to ride one, I'm kind of not sure I want to go see another one. Zebras are weird. Can we just be, all be honest? And then that was absolutely terrifying. I was like the one closest to it in the car, and there were no doors. So when it decided to climb down the tree, which it did, because it had a, a, an, an antelope that it had just set up for dinner in the tree next to it, and it decided we were too close, I was a little terrified. You know, nature is awesome and scary, very scary. Um, but honestly, I'm like, it was an incredible trip, and I'm so grateful that I got to go. But that's why I haven't met some of you, some of you that have been coming for a few weeks and that are, are new to our church, and it was an incredible, incredible time. But today, I'm going to talk about something else. We're in our Way of Jesus series, and hadn't it been great I've been catching up online since I was gone. I was here last week to hear about it. The series has been awesome. If you didn't know, there's a resource table out in the lobby 
that's got a ton of books and there's even a QR code that you can scan. There are some really incredible resources out there for helping us learn how to walk in the way of Jesus in the midst of all that culture is trying to do to pull us away from that. And so go grab those resources. They really are very helpful to us. But today I'm going to be talking about another topic in the way of Jesus. Embrace yourself. I'm going to be talking about money. The way of Jesus and money. And before your internal walls shoot back up real quick, let me tell you, money is not about money. Money is about your heart. So really what we're going to be talking about today is our heart and how we walk with Jesus as it relates to money. Now, a couple disclaimers before I get into it. This is not a message on tithing. We're going to be talking about money, but there is a message on tithing that you should go watch. It's on our giving page. If you go to our website, antiochatx.com slash giving, J.D. preached a message on tithing in our practices series that's great. You can go watch that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. What we're going to do is just talk about money in general and how we walk with Jesus in it. And the reason we're going to do it is because the Bible says a ton about it. Did you know that there are over 2,000 verses in the scriptures about money and possessions? That's, if you take prayer and faith and combine it, It's still not even half of that. The Bible talks about this a ton. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told deal with money and possessions. 25% of all of Jesus' words in the gospel deal with biblical stewardship. And one out of every 10 verses in the gospels deal directly with money. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why? Why does the Bible and why did Jesus talk about money, generosity, our possessions so much? And the truth is is that it's because it affects every single one of us every single day. Money, possessions, we deal with them all the time. And God is just really aware that these things, money and possessions, they have the potential to have great power over our lives. And because, and, and here's the deal, regardless of whether you have a lot or a little, our relationship with it and how it then impacts how we live and think and behave, God is aware that it has tremendous power. And so what he wants to, for us to learn how to do is not be ruled by money and possessions and our, and our relationship with it, but is to learn how to be in relationship with him as we relate to those things so that we can rule with him. That's what our calling in life is, is to walk with him so that we can rule with him. That's, he came to save us so that we could do that and not be ruled by the things that we're supposed to rule over. So he wants us to have a relationship with him in our relationship with money and how it impacts us, how we think about it, how we feel about it, so that we can walk with him through it and be with him through it. That's what it's going to look like today as we walk through it. And so what we're going to do for you linear thinkers like my wife and me I'm going to give you kind of a picture of what we're going to do. We're going to walk through, because the whole goal of today is to see, all right, how can my heart follow Jesus in this? Because where my heart goes, there my life will follow. So how can I follow Jesus with my heart in this so that I can walk with him as I go through life experiencing what it's like to have money and possessions, whether it's a lot or a little. And so we're going to look at five things that the Bible says about money and possessions and generosity so that we can learn how to walk with Jesus in it. Okay? And I'll give you a sneak peek about the five R. It's not really a sneak peek. It's, I'm, I'm going to give you a full picture of what the five are. The first one is it's not really yours anyway. Money is about discipleship. Kill greed, 
to find contentment. You've got to have a plan and build eternal wealth. Those are the five things that we're going to be talking about. And the reason we're going to be talking about those things is because each of those things, they hit on questions that we often have. We ask questions like, why does God need my money? Well, this is going to hit on that. It hits on things like, how do I know that God's going to take care of me? If he's provider, how do I know that he'll take care of me? It hits on another question like, can I even afford to be generous? Let's be honest. The economy has not been great. That question's real to a lot of us. Can I afford to be generous? These help hit on that. So let's dive into them, okay? The first one is, it's not really yours anyway. The Bible doesn't talk so much about money. It doesn't have 2,000 verses in it. Jesus didn't talk about it so much because God is strapped for cash and he's looking for a helping hand from us. That's not why it's in there so much. That couldn't be further from the truth. Let's look at two scriptures that back that up. In Exodus 19, verse 5, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. God's not in need of our cash. Again, in, in Job 41.11, this is after he's speaking to Job, after Job has said his words. He says, For who first, who has first given to me that I should repay them? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. See, this is the, the essence of biblical stewardship. It's that simple understanding that everything belongs to God. And my role is to partner with him. Partner with him in what he's given me in life, the work he's given me, to partner with him in it. The work that allows me to earn money is to, to partner with him in that. How I spend that money, what I do with it, it's to view it from the heading of this is yours anyway. So the question that we often ask is, why does God need my money? The, the real answer is, it's not your money. The system that God has created, the order of the world, is that we would work and we would earn something for it. And by his grace, I'm healthy and I'm able to physically work. He's given me skills and talents and a brain that can grow and develop and use those things. It is by his grace that I'm able to do these things. It is by his grace that we live where we do and we have the opportunity to earn and be, be given things. So I'm able to step into that mindset of saying, it's not mine anyways. This is yours. And here's why that thing matters so much. is because when we recognize that it's not mine, it's so releasing. It is incredibly releasing. Because we, we recognize that he is my partner in this. You know, have you ever felt alone in your finances? You ever felt alone with your money? I don't have enough. I'm not sure how to make more. I, I'm not sure what to do with what I do have. The beauty of understanding that it's not really mine anyways, I'm just a steward of it, is that I have an active partner in how I've been given it. I can say, okay, Lord, God, would you help me know how to use this? Would you help me know how to work in this way? Would you provide for this need that I have over here? I'm not in it alone anymore. That's really freeing. Just know I've got not just someone who's out there saying he'll provide for me, but I've got an active partner who wants to be engaged in this with me. You know, Eric, this is not in the slide, so you won't be able to throw it up there. But Matthew chapter 25, it tells the parable of the talents. Parable of the talents, you've, if you've not heard it before, a master comes to three of his servants and says, I'm leaving, so I'm giving you guys some, some stuff to be in charge of, and I want you to use it, and when I get back, you'll report in. And so we often approach that passage 
from the standpoint of, hey, use what you've been given. You know, you've got talents and don't bury them in the sand, but use them. But let's, let's like start at the beginning and recognize that everything the servants used, all that they had been given was not theirs to begin with. It was God's. It was the master's. And they used it. They used what was his. This is a freeing thought. And, I, and if you will grab hold of it and say, okay, God, this is not really mine. The, the investments I have, the skills you've given me, you've given them to me so that I can be a steward with you, so I can partner with you. We can do this together. We can have an active partnership in this because ultimately you want relationship with me. You want to walk with me as I relate to money, possessions, and any generosity that I have. And that leads us to our second thought, which is money is about discipleship. Our relationship with money is about discipleship. Money is a tool. It's a tool that helps us live and and love like Jesus. You know, practically, money is just an object that we have given value to. It is a tool. It's not alive. It can't think on its own. Money is not bad. It's not good. It's an object. It's a tool. Our relationship to it is what matters. Regardless of how, how little you have, college students, hello? Regardless of how much you have, God is at work in your life and in your circumstances and in, in what you have. And he's wanting to lead you into a deeper relationship of trust with him. And he will often use our, our resources, our circumstances, our money, our possessions, what we need, what we don't have, what we want. The, 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 the envy that rises up when we see somebody, that somebody has, when somebody has something that we want. God will use all of those things as our, as in our discipleship process with him if we will allow it. God will work on our hearts so that we can know him more because money ultimately is about discipleship if we will allow God to disciple us through our relationship with it. You know, Paul describes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, For I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Are you struggling financially? Are you actually swimming in financial abundance? Do you have a love for money that isn't healthy? Regardless of the situation, Regardless of saying, God, why don't I have enough? Or, God, thanks for, so, for giving me so much. I want to lean in and say, God, how can I ha- you can have more of my heart? What do you want to teach me through this? What do you want to teach me about your abundance because you've given to me? What do you want to teach me about being in need because I have a need right now? God, what do you want to teach me? How do you want to break unhealthy attachments that I have? How can I walk with you closer in this? Jesus said a few things about this. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate one and love the other, and he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. You can't be discipled by God in money. You can either be discipled by God or you can be discipled by money. You can either be an apprentice to Jesus or you can be an apprentice to something else. The question is, is where, where is my loyalty going to lie? Where am I going to turn to? Jesus says the reason this matters is from Luke chapter 12. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What I care deeplest about is what I'll give my heart to. Where my heart goes, my decisions will follow. My life follows the path of my heart. 
You know, there's a story in Mark 10. Sorry, Eric, it's not another one I have. I gave him like 30 verses, and then I decided to add a couple that I didn't give him. But Mark chapter 10, you know, it tells the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler is this guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He shows up and says, God, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to, to, be, to be righteous and holy and walk with God? What must I do? And Jesus says to him, you know, you, you know the commandments? He's like, yes, I know those things. I do those things. I go to church. I'm in life group. I'm on a serve team. I do all those things. I try to love people and, you know, I listen to Christian radio. I, I even do the obscure ones, God. I'm a good guy. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And it says the guy turned away dejected. He turned away dejected because he had so much wealth. You know, Jesus didn't say that to everyone. He didn't say to everyone, go sell everything you have and come follow me, give it to the poor and come follow me. Everyone he called didn't get that exact calling. That guy did, though. Why? Because what, what he had actually had him. And so Jesus was saying, hey, if you really want to walk with me, this is the thing you're going to have to give up. This is what you're going to have to lay down. This is why money is at the heart of discipleship. If you really want me, there's going to be times, if you... Just let me be blunt. If, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, there's going to be times where you have to do things with your money, your possessions that are not going to make sense and are actually going to really push on you. You're going to say no to something that people are like, why are you saying no to that deal? That's a really good business deal. But you're saying, I'm saying no to it because God's leading me this direction. And you know what? That direction he leads you may not be more financially fruitful. Just because you follow Jesus in a direction doesn't mean it's going to have immediate impact on your, on your bank account. Following Jesus is the priority. That's why it's about discipleship. Because if we're not willing to lay something down, then we're not really being discipled by Jesus. We're being discipled by that thing. That thing has us more. And so we have to say, God, would you... Whatever way I have an unhealthy attachment, whatever way I have it, God, would you help me to lay it down so that I can walk with you? Which leads us to our third biblical principle that we're going after. Kill greed to find contentment. Contentment is something that we want. We've all thought it before. I just wish I, I, I just want to be content. Well, one of the ways we do it is we kill greed. But I want you to stop and think, what comes to mind when you think of a greedy person? Just give it 10 seconds. Close your eyes if you need to. Okay, now, I would be willing to bet that when you closed your eyes and you said, what comes to mind is a greedy person, you did not pop into your head. Greed's not good. The reality is, is we have to fight it, and we know that, which is why we, all of us think we're not greedy, because we don't want to be seen as a greedy person. We don't want to be like that. Because we want, we, we hear things from like Colossians 3 where it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthy, earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We hear those things and we're like, oh, I don't want to be greedy. So we don't ever see ourselves as greedy. But there's, a, there's probably a pretty good chance that at some point or another, you have a greed problem. And we have to fight it. 
you know, some of the ways that we might notice we have a greed problem is, are you truly satisfied with how much you make? Or do you think about, if I could just make a little bit more? Do you want to purchase stuff? I'll take shots at me. Do you want to purchase another pair of running shoes, even though you've got four in the closet? Might have, might have a little bit of a greed problem sneaking in. Does your desire for money or possessions end up choking your passion for God? Do you like go to spend time with God throughout the day and find instead you're on a website seeing what your size is and going, how much is that? Because you, that thing took precedent over sitting in that moment with God. That's, that doesn't mean, hey, you are labeled now as a greedy person. What it means is that greed is creeping in. And greed is trying to pull our hearts away from God so that we find ourselves needing something else. We find ourselves wanting another pair of running shoes, and then I'll be happy. That'll hit that need that's in me. Greed is a, is a tool of hell to pull us away from recognizing that God wants to be with us and he wants to meet our needs. He wants us to be content in what we have. He wants us to be satisfied in the lot he's given us. He wants us to look around our life and be able to say, just like David did from Psalm 16, that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places and I have a delightful inheritance in this exact moment. Exactly what you've given me is exactly what I need and I'm grateful for the boundaries that are around me. I'm grateful that you have given me good things. It may not be what you've given them, but you've given me this, and this is really good. This is really wonderful. You know, the, the antidote to greed, the, one of the ways that we fight greed is to say, to learn how to be content. And let's just be real, it is really difficult. It is really difficult to be content. It's difficult to be content with yourself, your image. It's difficult to be content with your work, with your family, with what you have, what you don't have. Because we live in a society where we are constantly bombarded with messages. And I'm not just talking about social media. I'm saying everywhere you go. If, you're, if you don't watch TV, you have no electronics in your life. Good for you, but you're still being bombarded with messages. You drive down the freeway. And there's a, is it just me or does Austin have more like lottery signs than any other place in the world? They're everywhere. I'm like, you're getting hit with a message. Every time you see one of those, what's trying to do is tell you, you don't have enough. You don't have enough. You should want more. You're not good enough. So f- to be content, we have to fight for it. We have to work at it. But there's, there's a truth in the scriptures for us. The first one is you have to fight for your contentment. Contentment won't just happen. If you're just waiting to be content, you've got the wrong mindset in how, in how this is going to work. You actually have to fight for it. You have to choose to to recognize it. And the other biblical truth is that you can be content. We read it earlier. Paul talked about it again. Philippians chapter 4. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned. He's learned. It means he put into practice some things to help him learn something. He's learned He fought for what he's about to get. I've learned that in whatever situation, I am to be content. 
I know now how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. How? What did he learn? He learned how to be content. How? This last part. Because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We use that little, that Bible verse all the time. It's in context of learning how to be content in life. It's by learning how to say, God, I feel like this is pulling on my heart. This need over here or this desire over here is pulling on my heart. Would you meet me right now? Would you help me not long for this, but to be satisfied with what you've given me? Would you help me not... You know, let's take it away from money and possessions. Would you help me to be satisfied in who you've made me to be? Would you help me be satisfied in the way I look? Would you help me to be satisfied in the skills of my hands? Would you help me to be satisfied with my personality so that I can practice learning how to be content in any and every situation, in everything about me? I want to learn how to do that. We got two more that we're going to get through. We got this, okay? I hope this is helping you. The next one was you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. Wouldn't it be great if I could just read you guys the one Bible verse that spoke explicitly clear and delivered everything you would need to know about money management, financial worries, investment strategies, Wouldn't that be awesome if there was just one? Just read that one. There you go. Got it. That's not there. There's not just one magic verse that solves all of our needs about how do we manage money. But there are two steps that you can take that are going to help you when it comes to you got to have a plan. The first one is make a plan. The second one is work the plan. You need a plan. You know, this is where, you know, sometimes we, we get into the question of, can I even afford to be generous? And, you know, I, I would say, if you don't have a plan, you don't even know what, how you can be generous. Like, you don't even know. So you gotta, you gotta have a plan. You gotta make a plan. You know, we're gonna get super practical here for a second. Is that okay? Because I know there's people from all spectrums in life. And, Practically, guys, when it comes to, we're talking about the way of Jesus and money. And let me just tell you, you need a budget. If you want to walk in the way of Jesus and money, you've got to have a budget. There are tools that are going to help you. You've got to have a plan. So how do you do that? First of all, there are some people who can help you in that I'm not a financial advisor. And nothing that I'm about to say is from the lens of a financial advisor. They're just practical questions. Do you know how much money you make? Is the first part of the plan. How much money do you make? Then you start asking the questions of how much do I need to give? How much do I need to save and invest? What are my monthly expenses? Do I know what they are? Do I have any debt that I need to repay? How much is that? Once you answer some questions like that, You can then ask some more questions like, is there anything that I can cut? Any way I can reduce expenses? Can I pay more towards my debt? Can I give more? Can I invest more? But you can't answer those questions if you don't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then you don't know what you're going to do. You know, in Luke chapter 14... Jesus, this is why Jesus is so amazing, because he gives really practical advice too. He says in Luke 14, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it or not? Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and he's not able to finish it. And all who see it will begin to mock him saying, this man began to build what he was not able to finish. 
Jesus is teaching people, hey guys, you've got to have a plan. Don't just like shoot off into things all the time. Actually stop and think. Is, do I know what I'm doing here? Is, is, and if, you're, if this is not where you're good, if this is not something you're great at, something you've never done, then in your life group, just be vulnerable and say, hey, is anybody good at budgeting? Anybody know how to do that well? Can we talk? Can somebody help me? Can somebody give me a hand and learn how to do this? Because ultimately, someone can help you build the plan. There are so many resources out there that can help you learn how to do that. There are actually very few people I know that are like so wired this way that they just like came out of the womb knowing how to do budgets <laughs> and manage those resources. Everybody else has had to learn through trial and error. But here's what we can all do, is we can all work our plan. I have to be willing to look myself in the mirror and say, this plan being executed is on me. No one else can pay my bills. I got to do that. No one else can choose to be generous for me. I have to do that. No one else can, can invest things or no one else can do that. I have to do that. I have to build the plan and I can get tons of help to do that. And I have to work the plan. And you know what? You can also get help in that too. You can have people that surround you in life that are going to say, hey, we're going to help you do that. We're going to get behind you. You know, I actually have a, a story that I'll just throw in there, come to mind. So I have uh, one, my best friend. Um, we've been friends for over 20 years, college together. We lived across the street from each other um, when we were newly married and, and both having kids. And, you know, one day we were sitting together uh, and, you know, he was in the process of starting a business and, you know, if you've ever started a business, you know, it doesn't always make money right away. And he's got, you know, newly married, a young kid. I was in a similar situation. I was newly married, had a couple young kids, was working in healthcare at the time. And things, I was, it was an entry-level job. We were both in like these places where we weren't making a ton of money, but we had, a, we felt like we had a lot of things pulling on us. And we were asking the question, can we even afford to be generous? Can we even afford to tithe? Man, that's a lot of, that, that's a lot of money. That's multiple trips to the grocery store. We got mouths to feed. And it was even worse for him because he wasn't making jack. He was hardly able to pay himself. But we both looked at each other and said, you know what? We're going to choose to give first. And we're going to trust God that he's going to meet our needs. And we just walked with each other in relationship through that. Hey, this is our plan. And then we're going to work that plan. Now, that guy, he's still my best friend, and he has, that business went on to do very well. Um, and he's now built and sold multiple businesses. And giving is not hard for him to do anymore, at least from a bank balance standpoint. But let me tell you something. If you're waiting for your bank balance to get bigger before you get generous, you, it'll never happen. Generosity is not a dollar amount. It is a posture of the heart that we live from. And when we choose to live from that place, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or a little. Because I, I've, I view what I'm, what I'm giving away as an investment in the kingdom of God. And that's the last thing I want to talk about, is build eternal wealth. As followers of Jesus, we know that this life we have now, this present life, is a short life. And it's not the end. We will live our short life. And when we live and then when we die, 
we will go get to spend eternity with Jesus living there. This is just a fraction. And so we have to fight to keep the priority to build eternal wealth over our personal and generational wealth that we do here now. Now, hear me. Personal wealth and generational wealth are not bad things. Just don't confuse the priority. Let, let building eternal wealth take priority over building your personal wealth kingdom. Okay? Let it come first. Jesus said it a couple ways. He said, do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin can destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store it for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. <coughs> Let me read one other passage. Or maybe two. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said again, someone in the crowd yelled out to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me judge and arbitrator over you? And then he said, take care and be on your guard against all covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told everybody this parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And of the things you prepared, whose will they be? So it is for the one who lays up treasure in himself and is not rich towards God. Let's not confuse the meaning of that parable. God is not saying, don't ever save, don't ever invest. He's saying, be rich towards God. How do we know that that's what he's saying? It's because it goes on to say it in Timothy. 1 Timothy at 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich. Their desire is for personal wealth now. will fall into temptation and a trap into many and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have even wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And it goes on to keep saying, command those who are rich in this present world. He's saying it's not, it's not wrong to be rich in this present world. He says, command them to not be arrogant or to put their hope in their wealth. It's so uncertain. But put their hope in God, who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Enjoyment. He provides you because he wants, to wants you to enjoy it too. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What God is saying is, regardless of whether you have a lot or a little, you have the opportunity to build an eternal wealth. By using and partnering with him what he has asked you to steward to build his kingdom, to serve him, to work your job in a way that's saying, God, I want you to get the glory from this. I want you to get my life. I want to I choose to get behind investments that you're saying for me to get behind. I want to get behind people that you're telling me to get behind. I want to invest in those things. You know, one of the things that I like to do is, and this just helps me because I need it. it you know, whenever, 
we give, you know, whether it's our tithes to the church or to something else. I try to like take the mental practice of saying, this was me making my monthly investment into the kingdom of God through Antioch Austin. I am making an investment in the kingdom of God. And these few dollars that I gave, I don't even know the return it's going to reap in heaven, but it's going to be something incredible. It's going to far outweigh what I actually gave. So when Richard and Vanessa come to you and say, hey, will you be on our support team as we get ready to go out to Belize? Don't view it as somebody saying, hey, would you give me some money? View it instead as saying, I can't believe Richard and Vanessa just gave me the opportunity to make an investment in the kingdom. That I might actually get an eternal reward for the work that they do, sowing into the the people of Belize and the missionaries around the world that are going to come and find refreshment. I will get an eternal reward because I gave them 25 bucks a month. You can get more than that too. But begin to view it that way. And all of a sudden, it's no longer like, oh, I got to give here. It's, wow, I've been given the opportunity to make an investment. I've been been given an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. And and here's what we know. Some of our earthly investments aren't going to work out. If you made an investment, chances are, at least one of them hadn't worked out in your favor. Every eternal investment you make it always produces a return that is way greater than you ever gave. It's always way greater. And so we want to learn how to be those who are rich towards God. All right. Let me do one more practical thing, and then we'll wrap up. I mentioned the resource table. Our desire in this Way of Jesus series is to not just preach messages, but to give you tools to to do this and help you do this. Some of the tools that for this week that we want to make available to you are, most of us have heard of Dave Ramsey in the Financial Peace University world. If you've never gone through it, it's a great resource. If you're not sure how to budget and those kind of things, jump into it. If parents... If you want to help teach your kids how to do this, they have a, they have a course for families that will help teach your kids. Sign up and do it. Scan the QR code that we have out there. It will help connect you to that. Go online and use a budgeting app if you don't have a budget, if you're not sure how to do it. One we've used for years is called YNAB. Y-N-A-B. You need a budget. I'm not joking. YNAB.com. There's plenty of free ones, there's, but find a tool that's going to help you do it, help you make the plan, okay? If you want to grab a book, there's a great book. Actually, if this message actually was really, you enjoyed it, and you're like, hey, there's something in this that's stirring, I want to learn on this, you can come grab my copy of this book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, after the, after the service. It's a little beat up. It's like getting it off used from Amazon, but you can have it. And this book is rich. It's like a textbook. But if you're like, hey, I don't know that I got time to read a textbook, then you can grab The Treasure Principle, which is this, like, super condensed. It's like a little booklet. And it'll just give you some more kingdom principles on how do I walk in the way of Jesus with money, with my heart towards it. All right. You guys go ahead. Here's what we want to do. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up? Leaders, come forward so that we can pray for people. Um... Every week, we want to pray for people because we know that you may not have walked in here today thinking we were going to talk about money, but you walked in here with some other need. Maybe you're contending for healing in your body. Maybe you've got a broken relationship. Maybe you've got a financial need and you're just like, I need, I need faith. I need help. I'm not sure what to do here. 
Maybe this message is hitting on you and you're going, man, I've got some places where my heart is, is not drawn toward Jesus, it's drawn toward things. And we just want to be here to pray for you. Because ultimately what we want to be is a people whose hearts are fully given to him. That's what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. It's saying, Jesus, I am going to be with you in every aspect of my life, in every way. And so this morning, we want to just do that again. You know, we sang a song, You Can Have It All, right before I started. And I said, I wanted you to close your eyes and give that thing to Jesus. Let's just go back there. Let's close our eyes again. It may be that same thing, but you're about to walk out of this building. You're about to step from church service to normal life. And that thing you walked in with probably didn't disappear in the 30 minutes I've been talking. And so instead of just grabbing it the way that you did, what I want to encourage you to do is just say, God, would, can we carry this together? And for some of you, you need some prayer to help you know how to do that. Or you just need someone to come and rally around you. I want to encourage you, if that's you, come receive prayer. Our band's going again to play, and I'm going to pray here in a second. God, we thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you promised you'd never leave us no matter what we're going through. So you can have it all, Lord. You can have all of us today. And we give you everything. Let's worship for a few minutes. <laughs>